Hey friends, in this episode of Ask Drew and Lacey, we're sitting down with Dave, one of our brother-in-laws, as he dives into what it looks like to garden in the back of his townhome. He's been doing it for a couple of years and having some great success, but has some questions on how to make it even better. So we dive into all that with him. Take a listen and get some great advice for growing in tiny spaces. Listen, even if you've got a big homestead, Staying concentrated, staying intensive with your gardening is the way to go. And we talk about that with Dave. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming. And we're eager to teach you what we've learned. Everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey everyone, it's Drew and I, and today we're here and about to have a lot of fun, I know, because we're with my brother-in-law, Dave Kittrell, who is, I don't know if we're the lucky ones or he's, he's the lucky one. I don't know. We're stuck with each other, regardless of if this interview is fun or not, but he is going to bring forth some questions that he's had pressing on all things seeds. And I don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't say that I trust him not to get off topic. So we'll just see what happens, (laughs) but, but I am really excited. And I think Drew is too. I'm very excited. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be fun. Um, I did actually until recently. I didn't know that you had a podcast, so I'm going to have to start listening to it much more often. Uh, I think I, I'm no lie. It's not. It's not because you may be the most famous podcaster on earth, but I wouldn't know that. So I don't like, think I, I just the, the news just stops with me somehow. I don't ever get news. <laughs> no, there's no reason you would probably know unless I told you we didn't. So it, don't worry about it. I'm not, afraid, but you don't, you also don't have to listen. I know it's hard to listen to family members. So I just, oh, I'd enjoy it, <laughs> especially because it's something like when I've gotten into gardening, well, I've been doing it for probably two or three years now. And well, I live in a townhome. And so that I, I thought would pose some sort of problem for me just from the get go, because we don't have a whole lot of space, you know, to, to have gardens and things like that. But I think we have a single raised bed that's about, I don't know, maybe 18 by seven, 18 by six or something like that. And then I have two grapevines and I've been shocked at actually how much we can actually produce from just that little small area. Yeah, I've been impressed with what you've made happen. So how big is the area that you have in, on your, uh, uh, I guess your back deck kind of? Mm-hmm. The, the a total is, is not really much more than that. Maybe, maybe double that area in particular. So the total area back there is probably... Uh, you know 40 by by 30 total area and then like I said about almost half of that except for a little walkway is where we have that single raised bed and then over to the side literally where our um where our water heater and that's that's not water heater but what you call the air conditioner and that stuff is I just grew grapevines around that so our grapevines are actually hanging over the top of our air conditioner so when the grapes ripen, I have to go out and, and sweep off the air conditioner so they don't get shot into our house, I guess, through the air conditioning vents or whatever. But it's worked out really well. Like I said, I, it's uh, in particular, with the grapes in particular, it took a little while. The first batch, the first year were terrible and the second batch barely grew. And then this past year, the third year, they just came in like crazy. They're, they're, it's Concord grapes. 
and just they grew like crazy. And so that's actually, maybe I have a couple of questions about that because what we ended up doing with them didn't work out, which I've actually talked to you about before, but maybe talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, I, we, so when we first were married, we lived in an apartment, obviously, and then we moved into a townhome when Naomi was born. I don't know if you remember that little mm-hmm. Yeah, we sure. Been there for, I don't know, six months or so. But while we were there, we did kind of the same thing. It might've been more room than you even have though. I don't know. I can't remember. It was a 10 by 10. It was a 10 by 10. But we did, I was the same kind of idea. We kind of like just, we put window boxes around the whole edge of it. And then we didn't have time to plant grapes or anything like that. But we did, you can, you can do a lot with that little space. And actually, sometimes I wonder if you can't do more with smaller spaces because you have to be so creative about it and really make it all kind of fit in every little spot gets used up and you don't get consumed with time weeding everything because there's not a lot to weed. So, well, let me actually, that leads into one of my very first questions. And so like, what I want to do this year is maximize the space I have in that raised bed area in particular. And the past couple of years I've been doing like garden rows in it. So, you know, where I have like the hills of the rows going down the, the way and planting things in a rows. And I'm thinking about this year, just skipping that altogether and just planning sort of, not randomly, uh, planting in groups of what of different items like potatoes or onions or whatever we might be growing, but not necessarily doing it like with the hill rows, because it felt like last time I was wasting a lot of space. And I didn't know if the reason why farmers used to do that is just simply because they would have a way to walk down the rows to pick the garden or if, the, if if and I could utilize that space better by just simply keeping it flat and then having more room to plant seeds so that's can my you question get to both, you said it's six feet wide can you get to both sides of it can reach to um, the middle I would probably if we left if I did a single row in the middle we probably could I could go around the middle and in a circle on both sides of the middle and be able to touch things or grab things um, but I certainly wouldn't need a single, I don't think, if, if the purpose of doing that is walkways, mm-hmm. I certainly don't need as many as I've been doing, which is maybe 10 or 12. Hmm. Yeah, so the rows, generally speaking, when you're talking about like traditional gardens, the reason they're like that is for hoeing and machinery. So it's not like they're doing it to collect water or anything. They're generally doing that just because they'll just hoe that row and then it's usually very narrow so they can walk through it and you know like that's just kind of minimal effort and then they can hoe the walkway and not have to weed it but hilling up can be good just for like water collection and to keep the water from just kind of hitting and running off but if you're in a raised bed I don't think that that would be an issue but I don't know if you've ever looked at square foot gardening at all that's one way you could go which is a really effective way to utilize the space but Drew and I actually think that it's, well, at least I think you think that we think it's, it's not even as intensive as you can be. So a lot of times when you're using such a like kind of specific amount of space, you can increase your output by really planning in terms of succession and also what you can put together effectively. So like a lot of things grow up, like tomatoes grow up, right? And there's not a lot at the base and they really don't have much root structure either. So you can plant things directly underneath it. That actually is not only good because you get more in that space, but also because it will help sort of protect the soil from evaporation and hold in in cooler temperatures and moisture and and can also prevent some pests and things like that if you grow the right things. But, um, But yeah, I mean, I guess my long answer is for sure you don't really have to leave any space between the plants if you don't want to it's just a matter of kind of coming up with a plan for mapping all of that out yeah I think the other thing is like think about it as like layers so Lacey kind of like started with it like 
you got your tomato layer, but then like think about like what's a, a mid layer that you could grow, like a half the height of a tomato plant, you know, mm -hmm. and you can grow something there. You can also grow like ground cover. So like our favorite thing is sweet potatoes, like at the base of tomato plants, because they just fill in and they'll take over. But the tomato plants thrive because they're keeping everything cool. And then you can harvest sweet potatoes later on. Mm -hmm. um, but then you can also go below. So you can think of your root vegetables like carrots and turnips and radishes. Mm -hmm. And you can plant that layer too. And that's all like within one foot square mm -hmm. of a tomato. So like you can kind of like start to see like you can grow a ton if you like get away from the rows, you know, mm -hmm. and start really just thinking about it more it's like symbiotic relationship yeah yes. i see what you're saying no that makes total sense so i guess a good plan then i'll try to think about like what the tall plants are what the well right now for example like as we talked about before because i haven't been very successful with tomatoes and it, i'm sure it's just something i'm doing i i don't know what it is but we haven't been that successful with it but for example what what i have seeded right now we have pole beans we have cucumbers we have uh sweet we have peppers we have onions, we have, and, and my seedlings is what, what I mean when I say this, but, so things like that. And so I'm pretty sure I could probably match out what is tall, what's medium and what's little and sort of like maybe bunch those together in groupings rather than have them in separate rows. Like I was talking about what I did before, yeah. because like I said, I just felt like I was wasting a whole lot of area. Yeah, you could even really just like make one circle that you're going to do over and over and over again. I mean, we kind of in, in trees, like if we're talking about planting an orchard, then we would do the same thing with trees and then bush, shorter bushes and then ground covers. And we call that a guild. So it's sort of like a garden guild that you would be making. And you could kind of just repeat that over and over again. And that would be a more effective way to use your garden space for sure. And I know um, that we talked about the tomato issue. What it sounds like you guys have assessed it's like a heat problem. Like there's just too much intense heat for your tomatoes. Which... We've, we've, we haven't done too much in the ground. We've done most of the time we do it, we do it in pots. Or um, I want to say okay. we didn't. I was going to say we did them in those little, you know, those little satchels you can buy. But yeah. that's not true. We tried to do things like basil and ginger, and that, and those that nothing grew in those little pot sacks. Mm -hmm. Didn't work. Mm -hmm. Nothing we did in that work. What color were they? They're black. Yeah, mm -hmm. that might be why you might just be they're right too hot. Probably. Yeah, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't too hot. Did you keep them pretty wet? Like, were you able to keep them watered? Well, you know, I, I typically went out, especially from in the, once the plants took cold, I, I went out every day and watered them. I, to be honest with you, I don't even know if that's what I should do, you know, um, but I, I, I went out every day for, for a while and, and tried to water everything. Um, but it, uh, we are, our house is, our townhome is south, excuse me, the area where our garden is, is direct, due west. And so after about 1130, it just gets blazing sun all day and all night there's nothing blocking the sun just attacking that area and so um perhaps though with what you were talking about earlier if we were to try to do it first of all the tomatoes in the garden and not and not in the pots mm -hmm. one thing and secondly um layering it out and, and i also am going to mulch this year i've never mulched before either and so oh, i was yeah. going to do that this year as well too because I, honestly I, I just didn't know i should <laughs> i think you told me that i don't remember i perhaps you told me that i don't remember that but I'm, i have a bunch of mulch out there so once the plants start growing somewhat I, i'm going to make sure that they're mulched too so that might make a difference yeah, yeah i would encourage you so we've always been fans of mulching but 
I read, I was rereading some Ruth Stout over the last month or so. And she's an old time gardener. She was very popular in like the seventies and maybe into the eighties, maybe even earlier, maybe more like the sixties, but she has this old, a couple of older books that are go-tos for a lot of gardeners, but she is just the funniest thing to read because she does things in a very non-traditional way. A lot of people follow her methods now, but she does a very thick layer of mulch, like four to six inches deep. And she just constantly is adding more. And when she plants something, she just kind of pulls it back so you can stick the plant in and then, and then kind of covers it back up to the base again. Now that's a really smart thing because it regulates the temperature of the mulch and it regulates the moisture of, like very, very, very well the soil. of the soil, sorry. And it keeps you from having to water. In fact, she never waters her gardens and it also- So she just relies on the rain that comes her way. Yes. And because of the mulch, I mean, if you think about it too, if you have a big pile of mulch on the outside, it's dry, but if you dig in just a little bit, it's always damp or moist inside mm -hmm. because it's starting to compost and that life kind of takes on its own moisture quality. And so by increasing that kind of activity, then you don't, you have to do less work. And so we've really upped our game. I mean, we've always mulched, but um, I have been adding layers and layers and layers more this season because I mean, why not? We have it, we get it pretty inexpensively dropped off at our place so i think it's a really it's kind of a, a secret in gardening to like how it. how long do you let the plants sort of take root and go because right now i have everything in like solo cups and and deep moss things right now so like what how long do you have them in the ground before you want to start adding mulch to it well that's what i would say is actually go ahead and add the mulch to the the, the bare dirt so that's oh, actually so do that right now yeah, we went through and mulched heavily all of our garden beds. And we're not planning to do a ton of gardening this year. We're just doing a year of rest. But even the flowers and stuff that I want to, and herbs and things that I plan to plant, I'm just going to dig back a little bit, stick them in, and then like just let the mulch kind of fall back in place after the plant is in there. Okay. It's, way, it's way easier to mulch like before all your plants are in there because yeah. you're not like trying to get it around the plants. You can just kind of like pour it all out like a, like you know, and get it spread yeah. out. The one thing you do want to make sure is like kind of like maybe like an inch or two around like in a radius around the plant. You don't want the mulch like touching the stems of the plant. So kind of pull it back just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it just can cause some disease issues like right at the stems of the plants. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just just have a little pool area around the actual stem. And yeah, it's like a little circle. circle. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, it doesn't have to be much. But the yeah. other cool thing is you can stick your compost straight in a heavy layer like that. So like if you have banana peels and apple cores and stuff, you can stick it right in that mulch and it'll compost on its own and just, I mean, you, you're kind of done with it. It's a really neat system. Well, that actually segues right into one of my next questions, which is um, not necessarily, well, I wasn't really thinking much about punk compost, but in particular, um, what, is it okay to fertilize the soil, whether it's with compost or with fertilizer? after you've already established the plants in, in the garden? Like, or should I do that? Or should I just, right now, well, I'll tell you what I did when, before the end of the year last year, or at the end of the year, I put some fertilizer in the soil and just let it sit there over the winter. And then uh, about a month ago, before I did my seedlings, I, I put a bunch of fertilizer in the soil and mixed it all in and let it sit there. So right now, that's the only two doses of fertilizer I have in the soil as of right now. And so should I do more maybe before I put the seedlings into the ground? Should I not do that <clears throat> again? Should I wait till they're planted and then do that? Or what would be the best thing to do? Well, honestly, so 
uh, I don't know what kind of fertilizer you're using. It's probably still organic and good and everything. I find the best way to add fertilizer is in the water. So we, a lot of times we'll just add a liquid fertilizer to the, to the hose. Like if we're like siphon, if we're going to water mm-hmm. with the hose, but I would say if you cover it with mulch. So when you added that fertilizer, what likely has happened, even since you just did it is that because that soil is bare, a lot of that has either probably evaporated or it has, um, it has been drained out from the water that comes in from the rain. Oh, um, so it's sort of pointless to do it at the end of the year then? It is like, it, if you it depends it. on, it depends on what you're using for fertilizer. Yeah. So if you're using like compost. It's like, bo- it's like bone meal, what I've used so far as bone meal mostly. Yeah. And uh, like, you know, like you go like to like Home Depot and it, like you just have the little bags of like organic, like this is good for your vegetables or whatever. Yeah. I, and I know that it has bone meal in it, but other than that, I have no idea. What yeah. Else. yeah. So some of the stuff, like some of those, like the, like the phosphorus and that kind of like bone meal, I'm trying to think of the word, like, I don't know, like, bo- like bones in that sense will like sit in the soil Structured. into until the soil, like the microbiome of the soil needs to consume it. Typically that's not gonna start happening though until your plants are in there and they're photosynthesizing. Then they'll start kind of a chain reaction within the soil where this, all the, bio, the whole biome starts like consuming and feeding the plant and the, feed, the plants feeding them. And at that time, like that's the best time to add like any kind of fertilizer when you're adding but really the mulch is kind of the same because when you add a layer of mulch it starts that microbiome too because it comes with a lot of like funguses and what mycorrhizal things or whatever and you'll notice too if you have a compost bed or I mean a mulched bed and you pull it back you'll see like the little fibrous like living Uh organism and if that's in there, then it's helping to break those things down and hold them in place and all of that. Plus adding the, the most beautiful and best, like richest, healthiest soil is soil that actually has that activity already happening. So what happens like underground, like under grass right now, the soil is doing really good, amazing things because it's got these roots, the nematodes are eating and the fungal is all like behaving together and they have this web going on. And then when we cut it open, it's kind of like doing surgery, like it all kind of runs away. It either like tries to hide or it gets evaporated or whatever the case may be. So the more covered, it's like adding a layer of skin to your, to that, that biome almost that's in the soil. So adding fertilizer is not a harmful or bad really at any point, but if you want to get the most from it, you just really want to plan it to be when there's something in there to eat it or the compost, the, the mulch over it to, um, just just protect it from being exposed. I did not know that I wish I had the bottle of stuff that I'm using now for the seedlings up here but what I I, I want to say and I'm sorry I don't remember the name of it but it's just it's a big bottle of all kinds of stuff in it but it was specifically for like the seeding process to, mm-hmm. to use it was a liquid version to use for that and so since I'm almost done with that anyway would it be okay to use something like that for the like mixing it into the water that I that I place on the actual garden when I start planting things yeah. Yeah. I, I think a good way to like start thinking about fertilizing is just think of it like the cycles of nature, mm-hmm. you know, like in the fall when all the leaves drop, that's nature like fertilizing basically. So like mm-hmm. if you select, if you pick up all those leaves and like, we always joke, like a lot of people will bag those up for you and you just go to the curb and like pick them up and then take them to your garden. <laughs> um, but if you cover your garden in those leaves, like in the fall, 
and just let that sit there. That soil activity will just sit there and work at that all winter long. So mm -hmm. by spring, it's kind of like in this perfect loamy state that you can start planting in it. But then like throughout the year, just kind of keep adding mulches and adding layers of compost. And don't really think of it as like a single serving. The kind of think of it as like you're just, you're help like, Think of the soil as alive and you're, you're growing a garden, but you're also growing soil. Mm -hmm. So keep feeding that soil with compost and mulch and leaves and, you know, whatever you can think of. And that's all the fertilizer, like, fertilizer you'll really need. Yeah. If you do that right, you won't really need the liquid fertilizer as much. It's good for in like when you're just starting seedlings and stuff, because you don't, your soil is getting depleted very quickly in that situation. But once you put it in the garden, ideally your soil itself is just kind of doing all of that replenishing. And another thing that we recommend too, is that when you are cleaning out your bed in the fall. So a lot of times people, I think really want like a neat and tidy kind of like perfectly spotless, clean uh -huh. bed at the end of the fall. But really the best thing you can do is just snip plants that you want to take out, leave the root system intact because there's a ton of like microorganisms growing on that. And when you rip mm. it out, you're taking those all out with it. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Okay. So really just snip it at the bottom, let those roots just deteriorate and become more and more part of that soil life. And, and then you can add layers of compost or mulch or leaves, like Drew said, on top of that and kind of just keep building and building it. I got you. Yeah, because I, I have been doing quite a bit of like weeding, and I guess, or not really weeding, but taking out a lot of plants at the end of the summer and just throwing them out or doing whatever. So yeah, I could definitely do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it keeps that fluffiness in there too, because <clears throat> as soon as you take all those roots out, it starts to compact more and more, which just means that there's less and less life in it. So yeah. I see. I have to, one thing that we have a lot of cats in our neighborhood and uh, as soon as we make the garden every year, the cats feel like that this is the place to come take a dump in our garden. And I hate them. And I love cats, but I hate the cats to do that. And so um, I, well, I, I took down my little fence that I had. Well, you may have seen, I don't know if you came, but I, uh, during that time, but I had a little fence, a little mesh fence that I made around it. But I'm going to do that again this year. And um, I found that um, that helped. I didn't have a lot of like uh, poles or things in the ground to assist vines and stuff like that last year, but the little fence that I built assisted those things and it offered, and before I knew it, it had grown up kind of like a little protection around the garden, like all the vines and things that we had were, you know, like we had decorative sweet potatoes we actually didn't have edible sweet potatoes but we had like i don't i don't even know why we bought that but we have we had a, and, and you're right it just grew like crazy in on the ground in, in the garden and um and up around it and we had a, a morning glories and things like that coming all around so by the middle of the summer it was like a little protected area inside of there and like and and so it offered shade to like i said a very high sun garden and it and it and it did a lot to it. but the reason i'm sharing it is at the end i jerked all that out i just yeah you know the, the, i just threw I'm it in the trash you. you know because i was like you know stupid vines and they're all we can't eat the potatoes anyway and so i just jerked all of that out and threw it all away when i could have easily left it there yeah yeah you could have like all those vines you could just lay out 
on top of the soil and just let that compost all and pile around. i mean again if you had layered mulch on top of that or you could even um you can plant like a cover crop on a bed you're not going to use for a season like clover or buckwheat is a really good one uh, i love growing buckwheat because when it flowers the pollinators go crazy but that adds a lot of nitrogen and good things to the soil too so there's it's like fertilizing without the liquid or the store-bought stuff have you have you actually grown forms of wheat and milled it to make bread with we have grow, we've grown rye, we've grown winter wheat, we've grown rice. We've grown buckwheat a lot. And buckwheat and amaranth. So and, and you and you milled them or you just ate the berries? We haven't milled any of them. Because it turns out it's like an insane amount of work. And well, if you want to buy like an eight hundred dollar mill or something, you can do it. Oh. But they're they're not even it's not just even milling it into flour. You have to haul everything. And the hauler is eight hundred dollars. So that only gets you to the point where then you can mill it. So buckwheat is easy. You don't have to. But the but the, it's tiny. It's like the size of like a the head of a pencil. Yeah, so. I want to be better about buckwheat because I think it's going to be easier. And there was another one that came up last year, and I don't remember because a lot of the stuff that it was we, a rye. Rye is hollis. So, oh, okay. So you don't have to haul that one. But you have to like harvest it all, you know, like on the stock and then let it dry and then heart, like take it off the stock. And so it is, it's a lot, it's a time consuming. We've got mason jars full of it, like unprocessed oh, of all yeah. of those, except for amaranth. <laughs> one year we sat on our porch. With, no, we have a, we have an old jar. Of amaranth. We, have, yeah. we sat on our porch with a thing of amaranth and like a sheet and a fan and so we were like, winnow it. winnowing it. And it was like blowing in the fan and it was like August. So we're like sweating and it's like sticking <laughs> to our skin and like into our faces. It's kind of like Lebowski kind of moment. But now, but now there's like, there's amaranth that pops up every year since then, like Everywhere. all over our yard. Because <laughs> if you watch like videos or things like that, people, because I've been interested in, in thinking about doing that too, just because I, I always thought it'd be cool to make mm -hmm. my own loaf of bread or something like that. And, and, and but I don't have the room for it here, but yeah. it's funny that you said that because when you watch the videos of people, oh yeah, it's really easy to grow your own wheat and do this. And, and one of the things they say, you know, is it's like, yeah, you don't, when you're um, after you, I guess you, you um, thresh it and you get and you, and you get the little is it called hauling is that what it's called when you get the things off the seeds yeah is that mm -hmm. what that's called yeah. and they, they make it seem like yeah and then all you have to do is just let it blow away in the wind that that's all. right yeah that's all it is <laughs> i get to see you covered all from head to yeah. toe with balls and that's so funny wasn't nearly that romantic no but i mean again it's probably one of those things that you i mean like even with gardening you know we're good at it now we know all the things about seeds and starting them and all that but it wasn't easy at the beginning so we just need somebody to tell us how to do it right. i remember walking up too with the amaranth that i think that was like our last big grain effort but we we're like carrying these big old bushels of it and we're like jackpot that wasn't the last it, and then like we get out there and we get it winnowed and it's like a teaspoon I don't you know? know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah memory loss we did sesame seeds last oh, year sesame, yeah. and it was not only was it a nightmare but we got like half like maybe three cups worth of sesame seeds. i think that one was worth it though sesame it I, wasn't I do you know how much well, a cup of sesame costs like 77 cents I mean, know, what, like, what does a sesame plant look like other oh, than the seed? i know cool. what the seed looks like We'll have to give you some seeds. It's yeah. grow. They grow. It grows like like okra, kind of like okra, like straight up, and these little pods shoot out. And every pod has like thousands of seeds. Mm -hmm. 
And then you and do they explode like that? Or they actually shoot out or you have to get hang it, it upside down and then they're supposed to they did. No, pop open. they exploded all over the basement. I had yeah. to clean them all up. And it and so they that's why it says open sesame. Open sesame came from how they <laughs> Oh right. Okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, okay, yeah, they do sense. they just like as soon as they're like fully dry, they pop open and the seeds are everywhere. So in retrospect, we like put like a small towel sheet under there but we should have like put a giant one under or where... just put them in, maybe in paper bags like grocery bags but we grew it was an experimental crop and it was like two rows was it two rows or one row two rows mm -hmm. of like it was probably two 20-foot rows in the in our greenhouse so it was not a lot like I feel like the yield was good for that compared to amaranth it wasn't the yield that was the problem. It was the processing. Yeah. But Lacey <laughs> did most of it. So I feel like it was worth it. Yeah. He just showed up and was like, oh, look at all that. It was like eight hours of me. Like <laughs> That's so funny. That, that actually is really funny. Well, you, you know, like we've been talking recently about uh, my family is thinking about buying some land. And, and, and one of the reasons why is because I've really enjoyed doing the gardening in my backyard. And, and I'd like to have more land to do it on just to if anything, just to have a good time and to experiment with it and see what happens, you know, that I, I was reading some of that. I want to say it wasn't, it was not that much. They said that, I mean, of course, there's all kinds of work that goes into it. And of course you can go to the store and buy flour for a dollar 20 for 10 pounds of it or whatever, you know, right. you really need. Yeah. but yeah. like there, I was watching some show that was just saying like, you know, for about, I think it was about a thousand square feet. You can, you can make a hundred loaves of bread with a thousand square feet of wheat. And mm. I thought perhaps I could, pull that off you know and do that maybe if we were to get some a bigger plot of land somewhere and even if we didn't get a place to live but just got, kind of like what you guys are doing with your cows where we just had a place we could go to and take care of it and, and have a garden and enjoy the land you know and do something like that that, that would be we fun can, so we can I give you a thousand about, square you know? feet yeah you can have a thousand square feet yeah i you, already got it ready for you <laughs> oh you mean your house oh yeah okay cool, cool, cool. it's funny <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. We won't, we won't offer that to all our listeners. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see you grow the wheat and make. Oh, this. Yeah, and then do like and threshing it and coming yeah, in. And, and then go out. I, I wanted to grow it because a gladiator. You know, and he like walks through with this. Oh, he did it and like. <laughs> I would morning. do it like every morning. <laughs> That's how you like picture it in your head, but yeah. But the reality is, you walking away with it all over your body in the middle right. of August. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, yeah, well, no, I would I, say though, if anybody you know wants to, if you're living in a small place, don't be afraid to do it because uh, because we we get a good amount of potatoes and those grow. I mean, pretty much all year. I mean, I don't know if they continue growing all year, but we harvest them all year. Um, we have we have and, and they taste just as good as if we did it whenever. And mm -hmm. and onions grow all year pretty much in our backyard. Even in the winter, they they're very hardy. If we leave a bunch of stalks back there, I could go out in January and pull some up and eat it, and it's no problem at all yeah. and like and you know so i would just if any you know if anybody who's listening to this ha has a smaller area and you just think i can't do this that's not true you can totally do that it just and it, and it takes a good weekend or two to really set everything up and then and you can really go for it and, and you can do it with zero experience like like I and, <laughs> and then you can just call in and ask Lacey and do questions to help you figure that's out right, the other yeah. things. I mean we started in exactly the same spot and you just get hooked on it and that's exactly what happens you're like well if I can do this on a patio what could I do with a thousand square feet yeah with a thousand square you really feet. can though like I said we have more cucumbers than we can eat you know really that grow out there we we get we I've done something. I don't. I don't know if you need to get off, but like that. But the 
I did something different this year with the area that we're going to plant our melons in where I, I, I think I told Drew about this earlier, but I had read that people are more successful with melons the more with a little bit more sandy soil rather than, yeah. than other types of soil. Mm -hmm. And so I have no idea if this is going to work, but I just went and bought some like <laughs> pavement dirt or something like that, or like yeah. playground yeah. dirt and went and, and sand and went in the back and just in a, you know, maybe a quarter of the area of our garden, I, I mixed in that sand. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm going to grow my melons this year. And we'll see if that makes a difference. We get maybe three or four good watermelons each year which is shocking actually to me. But, but the last couple of years, we've had three or four really good ones. Have you tried growing them vertically? I have not. I, I wouldn't even know how to do that. I have to ask you to come and show me how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've done like the spot we grow them in is not the sunniest spot, but we put, we take a cattle panel. Do you know what that is? No. It's like, it's like, like a pre-made fence. That's just yeah. like a grid of wires. So it comes okay. in, four, it comes in four feet by 20 feet. Mm -hmm. It's just, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like, it's designed so you like put two t-posts behind it and you can like make a quick fence around cows like if you need mm -hmm. to but it's, gotcha. kind of, it's a little bit flimsy too so you can take it and kind of like bend it into an arch and then you can plant just on one side and the watermelons will like grow up and then they'll like start to ripen on the inside so you have like this tunnel and then on the inside is the, are these watermelons like hanging in there. Mm. It's and, just a really cheap and effective way to to grow like trellis stuff. And right. you just buy it and you don't have to cut it because if you bend it, it's like the perfect height for walking under and that kind of thing. But then you think about how much room, like especially in your situation, like you're saving all that room where the watermelon would like vine on the ground. Mm -hmm. Now it's mm -hmm. like going up. So you yeah, have, really it only needs like yeah. this much dirt, <laughs> like or space right. in the dirt if it can grow upwards and the cucumbers too. And yeah, any vine. And, and can I get that type of fencing at like Home Depot? Um, you need like tractor supply or. And what's, would you tell me what it's called one more time? It's called a cattle panel. They have hog cattle panels panel. and cattle panels. And it's right. basically, they're pretty similar. Mm -hmm. okay yeah, i'll check that out because it definitely we we have that thing in our garden and anything like i said we could do to save some space would be great yeah mm -hmm. yeah and, and you can get creative with that like depending on how you orient those arches mm -hmm. so like if you orient it like north south on the north side you can plant lettuce you know and it'll stay in kind of in the cooler. shade and cooler mm -hmm. throughout the summer so you can extend how long your lettuce grows before it bolts Mm -hmm. And then you can put like warmer things on the other side of it. So you can really kind of like it, it starts to become like a little microclimate of different things that you can grow in there. Which I would actually encourage you to, I mean, even before you mulch, like right now you could, you could go out there and sprinkle, like if you have any lettuce seeds left, you could go out and sprinkle and like, let them come up. And then when you're ready to plant in there, just pull out what you don't want and then you have this like ground cover of lettuces that you can eat oh um, nice yeah we do and that's one thing that grow uh, again like i didn't do any kind of investigation to what really would be the best crops to grow back there but lettuce so arugula things like that grows like crazy like, uh, what a uh, charred greens oh, yeah. anything like that grows like crazy back there when we plant it's like i don't even have to think about it i just put the seed in and it's done yeah that's, that's awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah so you could just spread that cover crop like 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 a cover crop cover up all that soil get that life kind of going already and then you can just pull out what you don't want and plant in in that so that's an easy way to kind of if anybody's watching this too who doesn't know anything about lettuce don't let it grow really a long time and think that it's going to be tasty after like three months because <laughs> yeah. it really is not it's awful it's like the worst thing ever to put in your mouth the first <laughs> few weeks is delicious but i didn't realize you couldn't just let it sit out there for a long time 
no, sadly. <laughs> That's the worst too. Is. Like you make the salad and you sit down and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then you're like, oh, yeah. this is horrible. So you have to put more, what do you call salad it? Dressing. Salad dressing on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, do you have any more questions for us, Dave? I think that that's good. I appreciate you guys' help very much. It's helped me be more successful. So thank you. Yeah, I can't wait to see your garden this year. And thanks for being on, everyone. I hope you enjoyed and got some great tips. And just stay tuned. We have some other exciting things coming up on the podcast and lots going on in person, too. So if you're local or close to local, you should make the trip for some of the things that we have going on. You can check all of that out at theschoolhouselife.com backslash calendar. And if you're not local, then just tell us how awesome it all looks because that makes us feel better. But anyway, everyone have a great day. Friends, thanks for listening to that episode. We have two amazing events coming up in June. One is farm camp for kids 8 to 12. Four days of down on the farm learning day camp. Drop them off in the morning, pick them up a little bit after lunch. And we'll go over with them sustainable farming, farming practices, that sort of thing. The other thing that we've got that's awesome coming up June 12th is Homestead Skillshare. We've got 16 expert homesteaders coming together to share with you their knowledge of homesteading on all kinds of different topics. If it's a homesteading topic, we got you covered. Check that out at theschoolhouselife.com backslash homestead skillshare.